0: Communical Weekly, come and get kicky. Bob round boats and five legged ghosts. Communical Weekly, stockings filled with freaky. Wait it all week and even said and go
1: And welcome to CommuniCore Weekly, the greatest online show. I'm
2: George. And I'm Jeff. And guess what, guys? It's our Christmas episode. Yay! Present to all of you. Yes, this is the greatest present that you can ever receive because it's the greatest online show. So obviously it goes hand in hand. Greatest online present. The greatest online present. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, we're done. What else do we have to do now? Well, that's it. Show's over. Wow, that's pretty good. Merry Christmas! Did you say berry Christmas? I am hungry.
0: Hmm. It's time for Disney History!
2: So the story of the Candlelight Processional starts way back with the opening of Disneyland in 1955. There were already Christmas carolers at Disneyland during the very first holiday season of December 1955. Um, There was a group of 12 Dickens carolers from the University of Southern California under Dr. Charles Hertz's Direction, who performed throughout the park And guest choirs, were also invited to perform daily uh, in the Main Street Bandstand.
1: And by Christmas 1956, this holiday entertainment event was officially christened, christened the Christmas Bowl. And in 1957, the event grew larger as choirs followed the Christmas Around the World parade from Sleeping Beauty Castle into the plaza where they all performed. The parade included uh, brightly costumed local dance and choral groups. But unfortunately, due to the size of the crowd, the singers were unable to form a circle in the center of the plaza as planned. Instead, they stood around the Disneyland band and performed in an informal manner, meaning
2: they weren't wearing tuxedos. I, I guess not. Maybe it was it was like optional black tie Maybe. or something. I don't know. <laughs> what do I know? Anyway, so the choirs and the cowlers they were so well received by Disneyland guests that in 1958, uh, Dr. Charles Hurt again he suggested to Disney Entertainment that the performances by a larger co- uh, choir group would be a great addition to future holiday events. So that year, the very first evening candlelight professional was uh, held with singers from 16 choirs moving down Main Street to the plaza, where they performed this full concert with the Dickens carolers, singing from the Sleeping Beauty Castle balcony above. Now, to help with the viewing, the next year, the Hem had bleachers constructed adjacent to the train station so that the carolers were facing the spectators on Main Street.
1: And celebrity narrators were introduced in 1961 with actor Dennis Morgan. He was the very first one. He performed that role from 1961 to 1964 and again in 1966. Dick Van Dyke was a narrator in 1965. Over the years, other narrators included some of Hollywood's biggest stars, including Cary Grant, Rock Hudson, John Wayne, Buddy Epson, James Earl Jones, Pat Boone, and many more. Howard Keel's presentation at Disneyland was filmed and shown
2: on the Disney Channel. Do you think they're going to ask us to perform it one year? Yeah, they they, they already did. Oh, they I did? didn't tell you? What
1: do you That's mean? That's why you didn't show up this year. Are you serious? Um, yeah. I guess I'll give you some of the money anyway.
2: <sighs> oh, my God. Anyway, so for the next 25 years, for two nights every December... Hurt, who was then the chairman of the choral music department at the University of Southern California, he directed a thousand-voice high school choir, combined with a symphony orchestra and a narrator, recalling the first story of the very first Christmas. Now, When the Magic Kingdom opened at Walt Disney World in 1971, the candlelight processional was transplanted to Florida, where it was also performed at the train station on Main Street. Every season, the California and Florida programs mirrored each other with great success and attendance. So
1: Hurt helped shepherd the original Walt Disney World version, but alternated his role with Jim Christensen in California. Over the years, there have been some variances in the narration script and some different musical selections, although most guests would not have been able to detect these subtle changes because the ceremony has basically remained the same for decades. To ensure consistency of musical arrangements, by the 1970s, Christensen handled that aspect for both Disneyland and Walt Disney World.
2: But in 1993, responding to guest requests for more opportunities to enjoy the performances, the Florida rendition uh, rendition of the Candlelight was moved to Epcot for 15 nights with two presentations each evening and with a different choir participating each night. And that proved so successful that in 1994, 30 nights were utilized with two performances each night and still with a different choir every night. But now the Candlelight Processional still entertains guests today on both coasts with uh, its music, endless celebrity hosts, and its timeless message.
0: He's a nerd, he's a a geek, geek. but we all like to hear him speak. So listen up to the words from his speech. Ah! It's George's Book of the Week.
1: I'm sharing a book this week that is one of the few instances when the book really outstripped the movie. And, you know, almost always the book is better than the movie, especially when it comes to fiction. What's weird is when the book about the making of the movie is far better than the movie now Jeff did you see Disney's The Christmas
2: Carol starring Jim Carrey and like what 27 roles uh, <laughs> I will admit I saw it for the first time last week and I was a little weirded out especially when Jim Carrey looked like gross Rider in the one sequence mm-hmm. with with a big flame head I don't Which know may, yeah it may have inspired it so it's just you know the film was gorgeous it was
1: beautiful but it just it was it bad was, it was creepy it was What's like that say? uncanny valley you couldn't
2: believe it was real their eyes there was dead eyes that's what
1: it was it was dead eyes is what it was well anyways speaking of dead eyes on with the review um the reviews <laughs> of the film were really bad and after i reviewed the film on blu-ray in 2010 i had to agree it was gorgeous
2: but it was missing some things like a good story like a good story i mean and, the, the original story is good i'm not saying that sorry for all well exactly. fans. it's a good story we'll
1: about how they turned this one around Um, And another reason that we love The Christmas Carol is because it is considered the very first work ever about time travel. So there you go. Sorry. We need some more Doctor Who sound effects. Of course. Okay, so, so the book, The Art of Disney's Christmas Carol, really makes up for the lack of the movie. It makes up for it in spades. The book follows the same formula as the many other art of books. We get an introduction to the filmmakers and story. We see the characters and their development, and we see how the world of the 18th century, uh, the world of Dickens, actually comes to life. By far, the most amazing part of the entire book is the development of the city, the backgrounds and the locations. The filmmakers and conceptual artists really did a ton of homework while researching the film. Doug Chang, who worked on the Star Wars prequels, was the lead artist, and I was blown away by the city as a character in the film, and it's the most fascinating part of the book. The the development of the city was accurate based on maps, historical photos, and research, so it really was like you were experiencing the movie. The rest of the book really looks at the other three spirits and the familiar scenes that we all know so well. We learned how they developed the locations and the characters in the story. They tried to keep a close eye on the story and only made a few changes, Uh, like the creation and the design of the spirits, again, all based on Jim Carrey, was pretty cool. But it's also one of the first times that technology has been able to match the original version, a vision, excuse me, of Charles Dickens. Uh, I really love the art of Disney's Christmas Carol, which still is a weird thing to say because it was just so much better than the movie. And it it really stands on its own as a reference to how to research and design a photorealistic computer-based film. The book is beautiful, the artwork is gorgeous, and it is hard to recommend the book based on the film, but it's really easy to recommend it based on the quality of the artwork and the -the behind-the-scenes information. The art of Disney's Christmas Carol is splendid, and I think anybody who loved the movie, there's gotta be at least five out there, uh, and who are interested in the history of animated films or love the story of the Christmas Carol itself will really enjoy this book.
0: If it's a legend that you seek, come on and take a peek at the window of the week.
2: So unlike all the other windows featured in this segment, this window is not a tribute to an Imagineering legend. Instead, it's a tribute to one of the greatest Christmas films of all time, this window is located at Disney's Hollywood Studios on their back lot. During the Osborne Spectacle of Dancing
1: Lights, be sure to look out for the window by all of the apartments. One has a Christmas story tribute in it with the leg lamp proudly displayed
2: in the window. Be careful, it's for Gile.
1: Ooh, I wonder if that was going to make it into this
2: episode. It's not. I'm going to cut it.
0: Okay, good. <laughs> Sometimes you might see it, sometimes you don't. Hey, look, what's that? It's a five-legged goat.
1: <laughs> so in the Carousel of Progress, during the final scene set at Christmas, there are a few neat hidden details. The first is that the mother's laptop actually works and it actually shows the script for that scene in time as it plays out.
2: Now there's also a pinboard on the right wall that has a note on it that says, Marty called, Wants Changes. This is a reference to the then president of Imagineering, Marty Sklar, and how he wanted some changes made to the scene. But as you can tell, the scene hasn't been changed in probably 47 years, therefore no one paid attention to that note. So as an added little bonus Christmas treat for you guys, we're gonna throw something else out there for you. Be sure you listen to the very end of the show after we ramble on for a couple more minutes, of course. But we have another bonus song from you, this time for Big Bang Boom, and it's their awesome new Christmas song. It's great. They have a brand new Christmas EP out, and you should probably check it out. So go check it out and listen to the song at the very end of the show. Well, thanks so much for paying attention to us. Be sure to leave us a comment
1: and rate us on iTunes. And feel free to email us at any time
2: at weekly at gmail.com. Except between like midnight and like 6.30, because I'm usually yeah. sleeping then. So yeah. I mean yeah. I, I might be a little upset. But other than that, anytime. Anytime. Um, like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Communicore Weekly. Yep. And stalk us the socially
1: accepted way on Twitter. I'm at Imagine Erding, and he's at Jeff Heimbuck.
2: So I'm George. And I'm Jeff. Thanks so much for watching. We'll see you next time on Communicore Weekly, the greatest online show.
0: Slope. Are ringing, children laughing, people singing. Christmas time can't stop screaming. I love Christmas time, it's Christmas time, lots of shopping, lots. time. So grab your brother, father, mother, sister, cousins, Christmas time. Let's get together. We love Christmas time. School is out and we're out here. We're gonna spread some Christmas cheer. Wish that it would never end. Peace on earth, goodwill towards men. Christmas time. The bells are ringing at Can't stop screaming, I love Christmas time